You're listening to the Credit Risk Monitor Podcast. Now here are your hosts, Mike Flum and Jerry Flum. Thank you for listening. I'm Mike Flum. A few weeks ago, there was a nice article on the front page of the Wall Street Journal about junk loan defaults starting to worry Wall Street investors. Junk loans, levered loans, or cov-light loans were favorite debt instruments for businesses pretty much since the Great Recession, and the issuance has been astronomical, doubling to about $1.5 trillion in the last decade and feeding the voracious appetite of CLO funds. With rates rising, these floating rate loans are now ticking time bombs for risky businesses, many of whom are zombies that cannot cover their interest expenses already. In August, $6 billion of these loans defaulted and new issuances are also falling off by about $200 billion or 37% as compared to the first eight months of 2021. If you have any questions uh, that you'd like Jerry or me to answer or suggestions for future topics, uh, we invite you to email us at podcast at creditriskmonitor.com. And again, thank you for listening. So Jerry, you've been talking about the debt crisis at non-financials for over a decade and uh, the response from the Fed uh, to aggressively address inflation has the potential to finally tip over a major bankruptcy wave. As far as the junk loan market, the increasing expenses associated with debt uh, makes that very difficult to access for struggling companies that will need working capital. What can we glean from this market exposure and really from you know the deterioration in in markets in general. You know, I just as a lead in, Mike, the fact that I've been talking about it for 10 years, and it's really kind of you to limit it to 10 years. I really have been talking about it for damn near 20 years. Um, look, the size of this problem, the magnitude of it is that this is not a one or a two year aberrational policy on the part of any one government. It's all governments around the world. So the size and scope of it is colossal compared to anything historical that we have data on going back a couple of hundred years because that's all we have data on. But when we read the New and Old Testaments, we see that this is an age-old problem. What we're dealing with now is the scale of it is huge. And so you have junk bonds and junk loans now that are in more and more difficulty and they represent almost one and a half trillion dollars in a GDP of the United States of 23 trillion. So this is a really big problem and the repercussions are going to be enormous, which gets down to uh, one of my pet themes. And that is what's going to be different this time that's going to cause the risk offices of the world to be looking the wrong way, not because they're stupid or not because they're not paying attention. It's there needs to be a head fake. The head fake to get everybody over the side of the canoe is the mantra that's out there today that risk is going to be at private companies. And this time around, the risk is going to be in terms of dollars is going to be overwhelmingly at the large companies because they're the ones who have the size and scale and audited documents so that the lenders can lend to them on size and scale. And so it's showing up now in this high-risk market, which is monumentally incised. As that article really points out, we've already got 30-some-odd percent of the S&P in zombie companies. Like, think about it. These are companies that can't, they don't have enough income to pay the interest much on the debt they have, much less refinance. And if they've got to refinance at the higher 
interest rates, there's going to be the the rate of bankruptcies of public companies and the dollars involved are going to be monumental. And the question is going to be, are the, is the risk community going to be following their age-old doctrine that all risk or the majority of risk happens at private companies? That's going to be the head fake. That's what's going to cause everybody to be leaning on the wrong side of the canoe as we go through these rapids. And hopefully somebody will start to lean on the other side a little bit and sneak their way through this. I think the repercussions of this will be enormous for the risk community. And by the way, the same thing for the purchasing side of corporations. They're going to be dealing with tons of suppliers who basically have huge financial risk and therefore they will understand on quality control, and they will underspend on research and development. You know, this is a monumental problem, and it is a little disheartening to see that the residual of what we're looking at is this historical way of, which, by the way, is normal in human beings. You look at what's happened before, and the frequency of, of risk is at private companies. Historically, the dollars at risk are at public companies. This time around, um, the dollars at risk at public companies companies is just catastrophic. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point, you know, and and honestly, it's kind of funny. There's uh, there's some discrepancies on the actual even size of the market. You know, I think Fitch puts it closer to 1.7. So to your point, it's even making up. I mean, not that what's uh, $200 billion among friends, right, at this point, but that's just insane amounts of money. Well, you know, one of the interesting things that Credit Risk Monitor does, if any people listening would love, uh, we'd like to participate, help them out. We take a look at the frisk scores, one through five, at each industry, each set of, in other words, an industry, a sick code, and we take a look and we sh- we can break out for them how much of the, uh, what's the size of the, of the payables or receivables of these companies, which are basically the corresponding dollars at risk for the credit community. And uh, we can break it out for them and we can show them, boy, they're looking at some dollars that it's going to be hard for me to imagine that they've reserved correctly for the amount of risk and bankruptcies that are going to hit them. And that's why we're yelling up and down that people need to get a system in place of looking at and assessing risk in public companies and, and not be cavalier about it and use the same tools that they look at it to look at private companies. Looking at private companies and looking at public companies to assess risk is dramatically different. And uh, people overwhelmingly discount the differential between looking at public company risk. And therefore, they'll pay a terrible price. And so we really would think they need to get these systems in place now uh, because you need to have the process in place so you can deal with it. You know, it's uh, one of my favorite mantras I always talk about is, you know, you want to learn to shoot a rifle in boot camp. You don't want to learn to shoot a rifle hitting the beach. That's not the time to learn. Yeah. I mean, to your point, right. And this is, you're getting closer and closer to D-Day, I guess, to continue the, you know, the references here but with that august default reaching about six billion dollars right that's getting now up into something where it's not just you know brushing it under the rug there's serious investors and wall street institutional money and clos that are now being impacted by these defaults so as rates continue to rise there i think there's a lot more propensity for that you've already got the single b market market within levered loans making up 25 percent of that market at this point 11 percent back in 2010 and 
with context to what you're saying about the need for this to be, you know, something that's maybe a little bit more timely or, you know, peace of mind, that's accelerating, right? We've seen two times the downgrades in the last three months, really relative to the last two years, right? So this is an accelerating eventuality and is driven 100% by the raising rate environment because all of a sudden these floating rates are carrying higher interest expenses. They're going to necessitate defaults for businesses that can't already cover their interest. Right. It's, it's not it's not a question of if it's a question of when. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. You're on the money 100 percent. This is uh, there's no if here. It's a when issue. And I got to tell you, when the when hits, if you're not prepared and don't have seriously good process in place and having process in place, which analyzes for the 90 percent private company risk and not where the real risk in dollars is at public companies is like, I don't know. Uh, to keep the war analogy going, it's like having, uh, you know, a rifle, but you got the wrong size ammo. And therefore, it's just a rifle without bullets, and it ain't going to help you. You know, I think you make good points about how it affects uh, both the credit and the supply markets. It's going to affect investors as well. It's just going to affect all businesses just pulling back on capital, right, specifically to, to publics, but even to privates now with how much, you know, how much private funding there is. But we've already started to see that with some of the VCs pulling back. Obviously, the PEs, I think, are pulling back as well. I mean, it makes sense considering this is their favorite tool. I know back yeah. in... Uh, 2015, actually, when Yellen was still the Fed president or Fed chair, you know, she even put in some guidelines related to leverage loans to try and limit them just because they were being utilized so expensive, like so extensively by the PE industry for takeovers. You know, and that was back in 2015. Since then, I think we've seen that market as well double. You know, it's up about to $1.4 trillion on PE lit uh, last year, levered loans. Yeah. So, there's like a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of fodder out there. You're waiting for something to spark the fire. And we have the Fed essentially turning up the heat with interest rates going on. It's just a matter of time until there's a blaze. You know, it's uh, uh, it's interesting. I, human history and human conditions, uh, you see these catastrophes that come about. And when you look back historically and look at them, you say, my God, how did everybody in those days miss this huge cloud coming in? And, you know, this is uh, a real case in point here because there's always going to be people espousing a different point of view. And, you know, for every seller, there's a buyer. The buyer thinks he's buying it, the stock at 10 because it's going up. The seller selling it at 10 because they think it's going down. And so buyers and sellers are equal. So when you're living in real time, there's a lot of noise. And therefore, you have a tendency not to pay attention to the real serious fundamental stuff, which is what we do. I'm telling you, this one is a colossal impact on the dollars at risk are going to be enormous. Uh, I would say probably probably you're going to find most companies are under reserve for bad risk. And I, I really do think everybody should take a, should really get on the phone with us and take advantage of we're willing to show them companies where their risks so they can take a look at our risk analysis and compare it to whatever the heck they're using now. And I suspect there's going to be a big difference in our analysis. And I will pretty firmly suggest we're 96 to 97% predictive. We have tons and tons of historical data. Our stuff is pretty interesting and very, very good. So why not take advantage of 
what you're looking at and what we're saying, and you're going to be surprised at the depth that we go into for risky companies. And, you know, I'm always amazed that people look a gift horse in the mouth and don't take advantage of it. That's part of the human condition, I guess. Yeah. Well, and to close it out, you know, it's not something that I, this, this part of it is pretty easy, right? When it comes down to marginal borrowers, like these risky companies, like the zombie companies we've talked about, you know, not to pitch our own content, but if have not listened to our zombie podcast, it's a great place to kind of get context for what we're talking about. But, you know, these are already marginal borrowers that are having struggles with their own earnings and covering their interest expenses, right? You're talking about a recession going on here where there's likely going to be either declines in their revenue growth or possibly even actually declines in their revenue, the truest form of recession. If their earnings go down and their interest rates go up at the same time on these variable loans, that's just a recipe where eventually it doesn't take an astrophysicist to figure out that there's no way to cover. You can't cover less earnings if your interest is also going up and you can't cover already. It's a recipe for defaults. It's a recipe for bankruptcies. I think a lot of people are going to feel a lot of pain because we're not currently making enough progress on the inflation front uh, with the rate rises that are going on. So, you know, whether it's three quarters of a point or whether it's a point, whatever it is, it's, you know, now, now the targets are up in the four and a half range, not the three and a half range, right? So, you know, uh, further making this difficult problem is, uh, there's a, a real interesting rule when companies are heavily indebted and they start seeing uh, declining revenue and they are running the risk of going out of business, they're going to cut prices. So if I'm a credit manager, I don't want to only look at the companies I'm doing business with in an industry. I want to look at all the people who are competing with my customer or my supplier. How are they doing? Because those guys, as they go out of business, are going to cut their prices, which means the companies that we think or these people think are relatively safe are actually maybe not. Because all of a sudden, the pricing selling their products are going to go down. Remember, somebody going out of business as a last resort before they go out of business is going to cut the price of their product so that it produces $1 over break even for cash flow. I mean, you're desperate for cash flow. And if prices start coming down, I don't care how well a company, how good a company you're doing business with or buying from, that company is going to suffer. Just like your company is going to suffer. Declining prices are what happens on economic scale going down. And that means margins and cash flow for everybody contracts. Uh, You know, depressions and recessions aren't two little companies on the tippity tip tip top of Maine. They're broad aggregate scale. And there's so much debt out there for everybody that the sequentialness as companies get into trouble is going to be like watching a virus, same concepts go through. And so, you know, I know we sound like a broken record, but man alive, people need to get systems in place now. Right now you have a little tiny soft spot oasis before the storm hits and boy, you better take advantage of it. Get prepared. All right. Well, I think uh, we certainly covered the levered loan market and kind of how interest rates are functioning there. As Jerry said, you know, we do invite everybody to reach out, get some console. We're more than happy to do a data match on your customer list or your 
Angeles, give you an idea about what your exposure is to these sorts of businesses, and certainly talk through some strategies as far as mitigation. But uh, everybody should be at least on alert at this point. You know, you can't claim ignorance. So again, if you got any uh, comments, questions, suggestions for future topics, please shoot us an email at podcast at credit risk monitor for Jerry and myself. Thank you for the time. Thank you for listening. And uh, we hope to catch up with you again soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Credit Risk Monitor podcast. Want to ask Mike and Jerry a question? Email podcast at creditriskmonitor.com. And for more information on how Credit Risk Monitor can protect your portfolio from financial risk, check out creditriskmonitor.com.